to Monorants, a podcast where we rant about the highs and lows of nerdy shows, movies, and pop culture in general, like our opinions actually matter. I'm one of your hosts and jack of all trades, Mono, and with me, as always, is my co-host and master of none, Kira. <laughs> okay, if you're just joining us, uh, each week we're going to be ranting about Amazon's The Boys, episode by episode, ahead of the release of season three. We will be talking about the original comics and occasionally later episodes of the show, so spoilers ahead for both. So today we are talking about episode three of season one, Get Some. Get Some! Get Some! Get Some! Uh, written by George... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> written by George Masters, um, who has written... He doesn't have a huge IMDb credit, but he's done ten episodes of Breaking Bad. Oh, It would probably be his biggest... The thing I never watched Breaking Bad. I always meant to, and I never got around to it. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's one of those shows that everybody recommended to us, but we never actually oh, no, got I, around I, I, to. I believe... We watched the first season. Did I? I don't know. We watched some of the first season. Okay. Well, I think it just it happened to come around at a time when I my interest lay elsewhere. Yeah. And this is why we refer to ourselves as Jack of all trades and Masters of None, because there are certain things that you'd be like, oh yeah, those guys are totally watched because they love oh, X, Y, and Z. Oh, we hate Rick and Morty. And but, like, honestly, we have given it, we've given it more than a chance. Like, I think I've watched the, the first season like two or three times in an effort to like yeah, get just into can't it. can't get into it. And it, yeah, just can't, I can't get past it. I don't know why. Whereas then Final Space, which a lot of people seem to dislike, I love, like we have yeah. a cat named Mooncake, for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who yeah, is, so who I, you'll is learn, Kevin. Um, yeah, you'll learn our tastes don't necessarily follow any kind of pattern. Sometimes they do, but then there'll, there'll, there'll be a, a curveball. Yeah. But yeah, there's a uh, George Masters most known for 10 episodes of Breaking Bad. And the director of this episode was Phil... The director. The director. <laughs> director of this episode was Phil Segrishia. Uh, which I, I pronounce easier than director, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> no, Phil Segrishia is somebody that we would know fairly well because he's directed 45 episodes of Supernatural. This is the first of four episodes he directs for The Boys. And he was also a producer on nearly all of Supernatural. He's a producer on the first mm. two seasons of The Boys. And he was a producer of The New Adventures of Lois and Clark back in the day. Oh, the, the Gene Kane one? Terry oh one. my god, I love that. I used to yeah, he, he directed like 12 episodes of that. of that as well and was a producer on nearly all the runs. I, I will say, say what you want about how cheesy that TV show was. It gave us the death of Superman storyline by the fact that they were going to have them getting married in the show. Yeah. <laughs> gave us the fucking, that amazing comic book run. Mm. So, Yeah. So yeah, it's the, the third episode of the first season, Get Some. Get Some! Sorry, I just... Yeah, I it, Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> it has to be said. So I'm just going to go with the old IMDb summary again. And in this episode, the boys discover A-Train takes a performance-enhancing drug known as Compound V, which he intends to use in his race against Shockwave. The team are re- reunited with its original members. However, tensions run high as old wounds resurface. <laughs> so, Kira, episode three. Episode three, yeah, starting to get into it, starting to get a good feel for it. It's getting its rhythm going. Yeah. Um, it's still a high on the old shock value, but we're starting to get the the storylines and the tangents and a good idea of who's who, what's going on, how this universe is starting to work. Yeah, so like we were saying in episode two, things have gone, they've gone deeper into it. We're, we're getting deeper into the characters and deeper into the plots. And mm. yeah, that is the overall feel I get for this episode. Um, Poor Huey is just like sticky. 
<laughs> well, this, this is the first episode where Huey hasn't ended up covered in blood. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, he starts the episode. Well, yeah, he starts the episode covered still covered in blood. In blood. And, yeah. Where they found that clean chef outfit in that sticky, sticky kitchen is beyond, because that thing is fucking pristine. I, I was thinking that as well. Like, that thing is pristine. Also, all the aprons were hanging up in that corridor where he went her splatty. But Frenchie's wearing a clean one. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm a little surprised <laughs> because when I was listening to an interview with Phil Sagricia, he's talking about how... So much coins here. They're, well, no, but like that they wanted to be a lived-in world. So they don't just put posters of, you know, A-Train's new film up. Yeah. There has to be old, worn-away posters beneath that. Yeah. And he said there's like two production assistants that just walk around with white paint all day on set. Just painting over shit? No, just flicking white paint at signs so it looks like bird shit because he said in the real world there's bird shit everywhere oh god yeah. so he like it's all these little bits of attention to detail that he like he wants yeah. the dirt he wants the grime and he wants it to seem like a lived in world and yeah that's that's one little bit where it's like why is that yeah that's I a was brand like, that, new chef's shirt I was like that chef's shirt is white as fuck like, <laughs> that whole place ain't like yeah and it would it actually would have made given that the whole restaurant is kind of like in a construction site it would have made more sense for him to find like a high vis because him standing there in a high vis even, would have been amazing. Even if it was a dirty, ratty, old one, because yeah. like you're still gonna take a dirty, ratty, old chef over, shirt over, over blood-covered clothes. Yeah, but that thing is fucking like that is pristine. Yeah, and yeah, shovel. They're shoveling them up. Yeah, and you do. I like how <laughs> they're like having to burn his clothes. You can and see stuff. Butcher starting to warm to Huey. Oh, he in loves the first, him. The first episode, he just wants to use Huey for his own ends. The second episode, he's like, "Right, I'm stuck with you know, this kid, so I have little, to make sure he doesn't run off and get me caught." The little smile he gives him. Huey apologizes, and straight away Butcher in like in like, probably the, the warmest tone of voice he said anything so far. He's like, "Oh, don't worry about it, son. You did us a favor." Yeah. You know, and it's like, he knows now, right, this kid, for better or for worse, for him, he's in it with us now. He's yeah. after killing the superhero. He's, yeah. You know, he his, pulled the trigger. It was your idea. Yeah, nobody made him do it. He yeah. Okay, he was back into a corner a little bit. But yeah, Butcher knows now, okay, this kid's with us. Yeah, if anything, he's a scapegoat. He's a convenient scapegoat. But he pulls it back then a second later when... Huey wants to go home to get some of his own clothes and Butcher's like, uh, no. No. <laughs> no. You stay where I put you. But does realise... You can see Frenchie behind him being like doing a lot of good old eyebrow action. Yeah. You can see Frenchie's like, like no, yeah, him. we need to we, we need, need to, to take care him. of this kid. Yeah. Like, he, we can't let him freak out. He's and you can like, see that in Butcher's face Frenchie's as well. Frenchie's like, yeah, like Frenchie was an arms runner before he even got caught up in this. So like... Mm. this life does not face him it's not him. new to him but he knows Huey's not this, he's, this is Huey new, is like his yeah. dad has a right like he is a good kid yeah you know he's but Butcher you do see Butcher's like I don't want to let him go but then he's like as you say there's a kind of back and forth a little bit between him and French oh, oh yeah like French's and eyebrows are amazing watch Butcher's him like, back okay, and just look, watch yeah, the eyebrow action I'll let you go and have a little bit of time to yourself but french has got to go with you yeah. to keep you safe and to keep you from doing anything stupid. Yeah. And make sure you come back. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's our, our opening scene, is the guys dealing with the the aftermath of the ending of the last episode of Translucent being ass-bombed, as ass Butcher bombed, puts it. Yeah. Um, can I, I... I don't know if it's a goof or not. I never checked the IMDb. But do you remember there was that guy a couple of years back who had a load of explosives inside him? 
and he was going to like suicide bomb something this is going to get really fucking dark in a second but he did actually detonate but he didn't go curse bluey oh he, he just blew just, up his insides he blew up his insides because the human body apparently is very very good at shielding explosions from the inside so well, I wondered how much C4 did they put inside him <laughs> yeah. to explode his impenetrable diamond skin because also impenetrable diamond skin he should have just been a lump of liquid. <laughs> yeah. Like he should have just been like a fucking squishy like they, if they couldn't penetrate the skin how would something exit the skin? Well I, I at that point I don't suppose it matters. The ultimate goal is killing him. Whether or not he stays in one piece is irrelevant I know, to them. I'm just being really, really pedantic. You are, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, they made just a big deal about how they couldn't put anything in him. So, yeah, I just... How did you manage to blow him apart when his skin's supposed to be that tough and would have essentially contained everything and just turned him into... <clears throat> well, I, I, I'm guessing it's supposed to be a, a sheer force of will thing. Will? Yeah, oh, he willed him Will, sorry, but sheer force of... <laughs> Of the, of the explosion yeah. is from inside yeah. is what blows him that apart. That must have been a massive lump of Samtax. Possibly. Yeah. I feel like we're getting bogged down on Translucent's insides again. I know. It's <laughs> just, except for the last I, episode. I know. I just, I'm curious. <laughs> right, no problem. Well, we can satiate your curiosity off air some other way. Okay. Yes, yeah, so that's our opening way, I've scene. been watching a lot of Bailey Sarian again and True Crime and the, this this is what happened. <laughs> Okay, well, there's enough gore in the show. We don't need you trying to talk out the minutia of exactly how it works. <laughs> Following on from last episode as well, then we see Annie meeting Stillwell and Ashley after her vigilante attempt to save, yeah, her attempt. vigilante actions and her attempt to save the rape victim. And Ashley's flipped. blazer, number one, Ashley's blazer. That ocelot blazer is everything. I can't I, say I paid that much attention to I know, to it. I did, and mwah, it is beautiful. <laughs> but, yeah, she goes in and everything's flipped. They're not angry with her anymore because the girls come forward and they can spin it to be a positive thing. Yeah. Instead of Starlight attacking two guys randomly, now it's Starlight saves a, a, a girl, girl from potential rape. Yeah. And there's that brilliant line about how she's, you know, she's up in all these areas and she's even up in the, what do they call it, liberal retreat strongholds of, of New, New York, York and, and San, San Francisco. Francisco. Which is, as funny as it is, it's also, it's a nice little nod to it seems to be that Vought's main fan base and their consumers and their customers are conservative. Are we guessing? Yeah, we're guessing that they are conservative. Certainly, that's way more obvious when it comes to season two and there's all the Stormfront stuff like. Yeah. But yeah, it seems to be that that's the way they're playing that, that a lot of, and we've seen with Samaritan's Embrace. Yeah, and the evangelical, evangelical prayer, they certainly seem to be more right-leaning than left-leaning. Especially they, when they call somewhere whenever, a libertarian. Or sorry, a, yeah, whenever they're mentioning as well key demographics, it's always the 18 to 35 demographic seems to be the one, which is obviously the, the one with the spending power and all of that yeah. stuff. That's always the demographic they're focusing on. So as soon as you start to drop off on that or this, you know, that's it. They seem to have no time for you. But... But yeah, it's just they're it's, so like the whole atmosphere is completely different. The two guys, the two they marketing have, guys, are just hilarious. oh my god, the two marketing guys. Are when so they're good. doing their back and forth between each other about you know you know oh, the country girl line. yeah down, down home country girl in the big her, city her storyline um there the what is the character the legend the legend isn't in it and um, I feel like these guys like they have kind of broken the roll down between the marketing departments. Ashley's part of it, mm. you know that they create these backstories for them well Ashley's PR yeah and their marketing yeah 
you know, they split the role down in a corporate way as opposed to it being the legend who was this guy in a basement under Midtown comic books, I think it is. Yeah. Who wrote all the original backstories for the comic books when they were out in the 50s of these heroes. I think we still might get a legend character yet. I really hope we don't because he really creeped me out. Well, no, not exactly. like, But I think we, we will get a character who is... Like that, you know, an old Vatman who's on the inside for the boys or whatever. I think they might introduce a character like that. Oh, one of but Mallory's Seth cronies and, or something like that. Yeah. That's like, yeah. But Seth and Evan are just brilliant. <laughs> when he's talking about how the new costume is feminist. Oh my and God. he's holding his hands up to his face. He's like... <laughs> oh. It's just... I just love the fact that the designer is basically a rip-off of Edna Mode. Like, she just doesn't... Like, all she's missing is new capes. Oh, miss, I designed Homelander's costume. costume. So don't you tell me what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that is... That is a small outfit. And I'm totally on any side on this. I'm, you know, like, no. How do, like, if, if her whole thing is that she polls really well with the conservative religious types... Why would you put her in something so skanky? Because those Republican types are also horn dogs. Yeah, they're horn dogs. <laughs> <laughs> they want good Christian values, yeah. but they also like slutty superheroes. You know? Yeah. Oh, like her ass isn't all the way out, so that's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I'm totally with her reaction on that. Also, that look number one storage. There's no pockets on that thing. You're storing everything in your tits. Well, that's. <laughs> there's a nod to that in season two yeah also cold like well she's the, the, I know I know that the actress complained about that and she said that half of the time she was filming scenes outside they were filming in Vancouver yeah they were filming, so she no she she was literally going around taking coats off the crew and yeah. being like give it to me because me look at ne- what I'm wearing yeah, she's, I'm like, <laughs> if I'm not filming I am yeah. not standing here in this thing yeah, no, you give her one of those big NFL ones attached to the blower. Oh, the Tom Brady giant the Tom jacket. Brady, like, <laughs> that's what I want to see Erin Moriarty in. I want to see a, like, a behind-the-scenes photo of her in one of those massive things. <laughs> or, you know, those portable sauna things that you zip all the way up to the neck? Yeah. That's literally what she needs on set. Like, because, fuck that. No, that shit's fucking cold. That shit's cold even on a hot day. Yeah. Once you're in the shade. Like, No. I'm uncomfortable. I yes. can only imagine how uncomfortable that was to wear all but, day. But in the end, still well puts her foot down. Oh, yeah. It's only Tells Annie, you can wear whatever you want. But oh, if you yeah, want to yeah, be in the seven, body, you're but, wearing that. Yeah. No, the way she says it as well, it's like, yes, it is your body, but you won't be doing it in the seven unless it's wrapped in that. Yeah. And it's for still, that's just like, okay, it's, you know. I'm not going to bother dancing around the issue here. I'm not going to, like, try and, yeah. like, Starlight's in the seven now. She needs to be on board. You know, I'm not going to give her the, the nice talk, the, the easy sell. Yeah. This is the way it is. You wear that or you're out. Yeah. Simple as. And it's... It kind of mirrors what's happened to her in the previous... Or, sorry, in episode one with the deep. Yeah. Obviously, not yeah, she's traumatizing, should, but she's, it's still... She's getting fucked from every angle. Yeah, like, she's still she's finding out... No, I don't... She's like, nobody is there for her. She has to tow the company line or she's out on or her fucking nurse. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who it seems to be coming from. Like, she can't get a, catch a break from any angle. Yeah. It's get on board or do it or go home. Basically. Basically. And and, and they have no quick... issue cutting her. Out. Oh, yeah. She's and already it... made a mess for, like, she's already been exactly. a huge PR nightmare for them. Yeah. they. We've seen 
that they're they're very quick to drop. To, like they're, there's been they're very willing to drop her if they have to. Yeah. There's been better first like couple of weeks. But it does seem to be that they are quite willing to just be like, no, look, we can just cut you and deal with whatever fallout we have. It doesn't yeah. matter. We, you know, we will deal with it. And you see that later as well when A-Train makes the comment of how Stillwell said, if, oh, if I don't win the race, I'm out. Right. They yeah, don't want the second fastest man in the world on the seven. And it is literally, it's it's that. Yeah, the seven's supposed to be the best of the best. And if you're not the best of the best, you're out. But yeah, it seems like it could flip on a dime. Yeah. Like They're whatever. A corporation at the end of the day, they have yeah. to answer their stockholders. So yeah. But it's nice to see that that it is. It's just ultimately that's what what decisions yeah. are made based on is what's going it's to affect the, the company line. and what's going to affect the bottom line. We don't care about the, the, the you people. You see that in the previous episode when um, Homelander's like, "Oh, I can do more," and she's like, "You've already grossed us thirteen point two billion." Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't need you flying around taking down planes. Yeah, you don't need to think. <laughs> like we pay you from the neck down. We don't need you to use that thing on top of it. Like yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they like that's it. We need you from the neck down. Yeah. I I'm gonna skip forward a little bit and and talk about I know I said Frenchie was my favourite character, but Mother's Milk is also my favourite character. And we get to meet Mother's Milk this episode. Yes. And again, like with Tomer Capon, Laz Alonso, who plays Mother's Milk, never heard of him. When oh, the casting was announced, I was like, okay, he looks the part. Maybe he's he's not quite as big, as imposing as M.M. Oh, is no, in the comics. Oh, no, he's imposing. No, but M.M. But in, in the comics a is, a, is a is a giant building. of a He's a building of a man. Like, like, he is a fucking barn door. Like, this, yeah. But straight away, when you, you when you're introduced to him, you see a couple of things that are really like... Before he goes out to deal with the kids who are causing oh, a ruckus... very straight on the desk. Yeah, he he's puts his... his uh, he's writing in a, a notebook and he slams the pen down in the notebook but then he straightens the notebook up oh, before he walks out. Oh, he's OCD. And in, in the comics, that's that's M.M. down to a T. Yeah. Like, he's, he's real OCD. He's, he's really about things having an order and being done properly. He is the only one, like, whatever about everybody else who gets kind of caught up in this with the exception of maybe Huey, he's the one that I've always felt got wronged the most because the life he's managed to create for himself mm. is a good life he is making an actual difference in vulnerable kids like who I like the way he grew up and again that's straight out of the comics yeah, he runs a foster home in the comics yeah but in this they've made him he's uh, working, working for, in a juvenile uh, juvenile detention centre and he's teaching these kids the value and that Which, somebody cares for them apparently the writer of the show worked in a juvenile detention oh, centre yeah. when he was there, like yeah. before he was a writer and drew on that for this scene but yeah we get to see M.M. be nice and orderly and then you get to go out and see his presence as he puts those kids yeah. in line like that he is intimidating but he's intimidating in a totally different way he's not physically intimidating but just his sheer presence yeah it's just his presence like he has the way it's the way he holds himself He he's like no we talk to each other with respect yeah you know but he's um, he's so straightforward as well like when he sees Billy much like everybody else who's seen Billy so far yeah. Jeffrey Huey his response is oh hell no yeah. <laughs> and that's he's like get out but he's he's straight with Billy he's like no I don't want any part of it I don't care what you got you know I yeah. could lie and I've say how you been when I don't care I've my wife and I, you know my kid yeah. is back in my life like he's <laughs> I, like, I do like when, when Billy asks oh and how's Monique and M.M.'s response is spits on the ground anytime your name comes up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, Monique. Monique reminds me an awful lot of Frozone's wife in The Incredibles. You know, oh, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where is my super suit? We don't need her for a couple of episodes, though. No, but she is She is Frozone's wife. It, she's amazing. But we get our first Becca mention in that scene as well. Yes. When M.M. says to, to Butcher, this is about, this is about Becca. Becca. It's always about Becca. Once you name Ben Homelander, his vendetta against Homelander, so now you've got yeah. another name to go with that. And we we can see that the two of them are chalk and cheese. Because M- M.M. has been straight with them the whole time in that conversation, yeah. saying, I don't want anything to do with it. You know, we were into some bad shit the last time, and I don't want to go back to that. I'm happy where I am now. And Butcher puts out a little uh, tantalizing bit of information about taking down a soup. Mm. And that kind of gets him in and gets him interested. And when he's convincing them to, to, to come back and join the boys again, he's like, ah, uh, now... Is that French motherfucker going to be there? And Billy's like, <laughs> no, I haven't seen him in ages. I haven't seen him in ages. So, yeah, the only the, the only thing that, that M.M. wants to know, and Butcher's like, nah, I'm going to lie here because yeah. I'm self-serving and this is what I want to have. But it is. It's a nice little introduction to M.M., I yeah. feel. It's not, you know, they haven't tried to make him overly badass or anything like that. No. And like he says, I'm a motherfucker with a heart. And that's how he plays it going forward. Mm. And I, I, again, the casting of Lazalonzo, he's just, he's so good. And apparently a bit of a clean freak in real life. <laughs> in like, you know, in season two when he's got the wet wipes. Yeah, he actually That's a Lazalonzo thing. He, that's not in one of his real thing. He had the wet wipes. <laughs> yeah. He's a Robert Downey Jr. hiding food on set, kind of. Yeah. Just fucking go with it. Um, I did like as well another kind of favourite little scene is the scene between Homelander and Stillwell when she's got the baby oh my god he hates that baby so much like that that baby is like personally offensive to him (laughs) he really hates him (laughs) at the end of the scene when he's staring at the baby I I will be the first to hold my hand up and go oh yeah it's a baby whatever get it away from me that's a cute kid Teddy Teddy is a very cute baby but the way Homelander looks at that child like that child has just spat on his ma yeah (laughs) (laughs) he does not like that baby but I want to know what I really like about that scene is it's Homelander the most powerful man in the world being told what to do and you you see where the real power is because you know he gets given the talking points and he's like I don't need these talking points and he scrumples them up and throws them away and still crumples scrumples whatever scrumples hey whatever and yeah and then still Wells like well Edgar wrote those personally so if you'd like to take it up to him uh, yeah take it down to him on 82 and he very quickly turns and is like and you can see he's so frustrated like he doesn't want to do it but he knows well this is what the powers that be want so I just have to grin and bear it yeah. and we see we see the seeds of that grow throughout uh, the episode then I... when he um, is helping Maeve take out that shooter oh my god that's amazing also Maeve taking on four lads at once way oh that introduction yeah. See where we, yeah that I felt was yeah, a little nod to the comic of uh, may have taken on four guys at once yeah like because in fairness in the comic books she is an alcoholic like oh yeah yeah she's washed up bitter like she is just a yeah. husk of a human yeah sleeps around with everybody constantly constantly drunk care. but yeah in the in the comics she would have been taking on those four guys in a slightly different way oh, let's um, just say uh, that yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, no, but you see their in their conversation. <laughs> Sorry, isn't that in fucking um, Orgasma? What? DVDA? Oh, you want to find a... You want to keep... You want to... You want to keep, want to keep getting working in this day and at my age, you got to do DVDA. DVDA yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> moving on. But yeah, no, they're, when they're talking, they're talking about... He's like, why do we do what these guys say? You know what I mean? They're just humans. And he's talking about how Edgar's this close to a coronary or... Oh, yeah, I x-rayed him. His yeah. blood's like engine oil. So you can see he's frustrated. He doesn't think... I just like the way he goes, I x-rayed him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, it's a naughty secret. Yeah. Like, oh, I did this thing. Oh, it's a little bit rude. I love, I love how he flies up when they're in that seat. They're walking along and the shooter's... Up on the 35th oh, floor. Oh, and everything's like getting shot to shit around. Yeah, they're just walking through. Everywhere. There's like SWAT hiding behind buildings. Yeah. And the SWAT guy's like, oh my God, Homelander Maeve. And he puts his hand on his shoulder and it's like, you you're the, you the real, real heroes. heroes. It's like, oh yeah, they, look at that media training kicking in right there. And, yeah, and he's like, oh, he's on this floor. And he flies he up. He flies up and, and just leaves Maeve. Maeve's like, elevators. Elevators. And then That's how Batman must feel a lot of the time. <laughs> Except Batman doesn't want to be carried. No. Maeve didn't want to have to get the elevator. Yeah. And when she gets up to the, the 35th floor... He's just floor, waiting. He's just waiting there. So he could have brought her up or gone in the elevator. Either way, he still had to wait for her. But yeah, um, we see another little bit of Homelanders. That was our first little bit of bloodlust I suppose that Homelander it's not, like, it's not bloodlust so much as it is complete and utter disregard for human life yeah but like like he, the, he's just like he's already mentioned it in that you know they're just humans they're beneath us why are we doing this but so we've therefore seen him, that justifies me putting my hand through this guy's chest well yeah but in the first episode when he takes down the plane that serves a purpose yeah he's killing that guy still well. killing that guy served no purpose no he was he just was like, already caught it. he had, you know he gave up straight away mm. and, and Homelander like wall, or Maeve wallops him around the place a little bit they have him and Homelander's like nah I think I'm gonna kill this guy like yeah and he's real sadistic about it, you know, being like, shh, 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 shh. It's, it's almost over. It's okay. Yeah, he does it real slow. Yeah. And yeah. it's not even like he's he's ripping your man's heart out. He no, just, he just crushes it. He just it. punches it straight in the chest. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, it's it's pr- particularly... Yeah. Oh, it's not particularly graphic, but yeah, it's it's, it's, it's unsettling. It is. I think it doesn't have to be that slow. And the fact that he's like hushing him, and you know he's thinking it's that baby. <laughs> yeah or is that it is he just taking out his anger of being um, the fact that told off the fact that that child has Stillwell's attention that, well that's it is what really really grinds his gears yeah he's the pretty he's the he's you know like the, the older kid he's the spoiled oh the, to- the toddler that has a newborn baby brother yeah. or sister and can't handle it yeah oh yeah they, they definitely are trying to play up that yeah that like that is it, like. yeah and it again, Anthony Starr, he just he plays the role so well because Homelander is such an unbalanced character. But as I was saying in the last uh, record, he's he's where was that off air? Where I was saying he's a really intelligent person. Like he's not just an evil idiot with Superman's Easy. powers. Like he's conniving. He's he's smart. Mm. He has his own ideas and he has his own plans. He's just also incredibly unbalanced and wants everybody to love him. The yeah, well, you get kind of a hint of that. Remember, they had the was it a special, which was like the 
the footage of young Hong oh Man that was a, it was a deleted scene from season one that they released in between season that was one and two amazing of him when he's like nine or ten mm, I think he's hugging the teacher yeah and I think that was supposed to be played in like episode five or six yeah, when we meet Vogelbaum but yeah but it's a good scene yeah. we'll talk about it in that episode because it'll probably be a bit more relevant yeah any other particularly fun bits of the episode that you really enjoyed uh, Apparently not, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, I work <laughs> nights. This is what happens. Um, well, you've got Huey freaking out and like trashing his room and ripping down all the superhero stuff that he's got. Like, cause his bedroom's all decorated with those beautiful posters. Yeah. And like, he's got like Funko Pops and all that shit, and he's got yeah, all. Yeah, he was a fan. He was a fan and he just loses it and he does what every teenage girl between the ages of 15 and 17 has done at some point, <laughs> which is fuck this shit and tear everything down. Yeah. Like he was literally just missing the like fucking crying in mm. a heap on the floor. You know, that is just this really strong outpouring of emotion from him. Yeah, and then... And frustration and realisation of what he's done and what he's gotten himself into as well. Yeah. He knows that even Robin aside, he can't... There's no form of a normal life that he can go back to now. No. Whatever about trying to put his life together after Robin died. But once he went out with Billy... Nah, no, forget there's no about it. Back now. Yeah, there's especially now. There's and then no turning get that back. lovely little moment with the dad, where he's really harsh towards poor Al Simon Pegg. Yeah, but it it needs to be, you know. Yeah, he is, you can see Huey needs to get it out. Yeah, but then he knows he's been a bit too harsh and apologizes and leave, and we get that great bit of uh, attempted empathy from Frenchie. <laughs> Frenchie's story. Like my, my dad tried to smother, smother me, me in a Hello Kitty blanket. My father was the bi- was the was bipolar. Was the, I nearly said my father was the bisexual. Um, <laughs> my father was the bipolar. Yeah. When I was ten, he tried to suffocate me with a Hello Kitty duvet, and you're just like Huey's, just like what? <laughs> yeah, he's like, I, I don't, don't see know. how that's relevant I at all. But no response to this. At how all. Do you, what would you say to that? Okay. Um, yeah. What? Yeah. Then we we get. I say. I, I, That's when we get the the. You know, he's got mother's milk on side. They have the moving van. Which you spotted. The moving van has a lamplighter. Yeah, it's on the side of the moving deal, van. It says move like a soup underneath it, but they're in the moving van, and that's what they're like set up in. They're, they're, they're sticking outside. A pop pop claw's place after so the you info get your they got. First glimpse of pop claw coming in. Well, no. First of all, you get the meeting, the reunion of Mother's Milk and Frenchie, which involves knives and a lot of cursing. A lot of cursing. And the, them being forced apart. Yeah. And there's a nice and, little bit in that where, where they're going off, they're shouting and they're screaming at each other and Billy's just trying, trying to hold them apart. But then they get to talking about Mallory's grandkids. Yeah. And he's like, MM's like, tell that to Mallory's grandkids. And it's mentioned that they're dead, and you can see Huey's like, "What?" And yeah. Butcher, as soon as Mallory's grandkids are mentioned, Butcher's he like, "Knock in. it on the fucking head," because he doesn't want to have to explain. Yeah, you know, he doesn't and want to know, Huey to know the by, shit that's gone down. Then it's interrupted by Mother's Milk's phone ringing, and you can just see him going, "Shh." Oh, Rick Astley. Never gonna give you up. Never. Gonna- 
But yeah, that, that phone call then rather, rather from yeah, deflates the situation. Although good ploy, yeah, two stakes. Damn. That's <laughs> no, how you I, do I, it when he's like, I don't want to tell you I love. Yeah, okay, okay, I love you. But when he does the little kiss at the end of the phone call, and you can see it in his face. He's trying to be as quiet as possible, <laughs> put his lips right up to the phone, and just go as quietly as he can. But everybody here, it's here's it. They well, they all die except Huey. Huey doesn't know where to look while Butcher and Frenchie are pissing themselves laughing at MM. And just like that, the whole situation is somewhat resolved. Yeah, that I think that's when um, Frenchie's oh. like, "Oh, here, look, here comes Papa," and we get introduced to her and her landlord and her her poor unfortunate landlord. Who, who <laughs> plays her landlord? He is. Magnificent. Uh, I've, I've, I've I had his name. It's gone, but yeah, he's brilliant in this episode. He's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> he's so fun, but she's basically she was like a darling of. Vaught and had like a film career and has since dropped off. Yeah, we find out as the episode where's where's like well in her introduction she's talking to her landlord and he's like you know the rent the rent's late yeah was last week and Butcher's already called her a D list soup in the previous episode where she first gets mentioned. So she's been she's been whatever has happened she is no longer kind of under the protection of Vaught. So (laughs) she's almost like an embarrassment to them. So when they're talking about wanting to plant the bugs. And Huey's like, oh, I don't. We don't need to plant bugs. We can just once we get our IVP six address. Where'd you get this stuff? Circuit steady. Yeah, he's cheap, right? <laughs> yeah, and then being like, isn't he a cheap motherfucker? But when Huey's like, oh, we'll have access to every camera and her smart TV and her laptop, and Frenchie's like, into toilet. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, not the toilet, Frenchie. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't like that kind of. Oh, in the toilet, like hee hee. It was more even in the toilet. Like, it was, like, slight concern of, shit, do I have a camera in my toilet somewhere? Because he was saying, like, eh, that so is That's not how I took it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, t- I took it as Frenchie being like, ooh, ooh no, camera in the toilet. No, I, he did look a little bit perplexed. I think but, yeah, he did Huey, look a bit more like, fuck, have people been watching me take a shit? Uh, when Huey and MM go into Popgall's apartment to, to set everything up, and we get a look at the inside of her apartment. No, I just love the way he goes, goes to say, I'm Hugh, he's Huey. Yeah. And I'm Gary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're wearing the, the shirts, the shirts from his actual job. Yeah. like. But yeah, her apartment is just full of posters of her nude and semi-nude and posters from her like boudoir photos. Yeah, boudoir her. photos and then like movie posters of the and movie And Ikea she's been lampshades. In. She's got those like the, the oh, yeah. Death Star fully apart <laughs> ones. Yeah. Mind you, the ceilings are really high so you could get away with it. But, yeah, it's nice to see in that as well. You see Huey starting to get into it a little bit mm. when he hooks up the laptop and he gives a little knowing smile at the camera and he's like, you know, all oh, right, we're all done here. And he walks out of the apartment as, as MM is saying goodbye and he's all proud of himself and then he runs into A-Train. Oh, and he just stares him out. And he like a fucking bit. psycho. And then he's like, you know, haven't we met... <laughs> And I was like, what are you doing? And M's just like, we need to get the fuck out of here. Are you trying to get us killed? Yeah, we just killed his mate and bugged his girlfriend's apartment. We need to leave right now. Yeah, we need to not be hanging around. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> but he does. He looks like he's starting to, to get into it and enjoy, enjoy the thrill of it a little bit. Like, yeah. these people have no idea Well, he ends up having, a, having the conversation with Mother's Milk later on then. They're As kind they're progressing, of progressing because once they bug the apartment and they find out what's going on, they they start to find out about this compound V. Oh, when A train comes over, yeah, you and find we see out the toe sucking. Oh God, the, the toe, toe sucking. sucking! Oh, I felt as uncomfortable as Jesse 
Yeah, uh, poor, poor Jesse Usher apparently has a thing. He hates feet. He hates feet. He hates seeing people, like, seeing people's feet. He hates seeing people do things like suck toes. And he was like, when he came on set, apparently he was like, oh, yeah, I'm down to do anything. Like, he had read some of the scripts, saw some of the mad stuff that was going to happen. And was like, yeah, cool, whatever. And they were like, all right, cool. So in this scene, she's going to suck on your toe. And he was like, what? <laughs> What? No. 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 Uh, Apparently it was the hardest thing he's ever had that, to film. That, that's a hard limit. It just limit. freaks him out so much. That, like, that's his hard limit. No. Yeah. No, no, well, in fairness... His safe word was watermelon. <laughs> Fair fucks to him. He went out and he did it. Like, you know, yeah. so... He does it. Like, you can't see it in the scene, though. He's not happy about that. He's like, oh, get away from me, woman. This isn't sexy. Yeah. And the way she plays it as well, it doesn't... It does look, like, slightly desperate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, we yeah. find out as well that that their um, their relationship is not public knowledge at all. Yeah, well, then Papa no, wants. Yeah, she wants it to be. They thought he's kind of led her to believe that he's cleared it all with Stillwell and PR and all that, which it hasn't mm. been. You know, it's not good for his image to be seen with her yeah so he is like she is getting fucked over poor she thing. poor pop like, gets gets used at every turn basically. yeah like she's the been only, dropped by Vaught she's only, getting like she's had her apartment bugged he's basically using her to store the V because it is a big duffel bag of stuff that she yeah, has the boys end up using her later the only person that she exerts any sort of power over is the landlord and then she yeah. ends up accidentally killing the poor fucker. She pops his head like a watermelon. <laughs> yes, she does. It's fucking hilarious. And apparently to create that shot, VFX... Um, looked at a watermelon? Well, no, just looked at videos of, of watermelons being squished to try and get that, that realistic uh, shot, apparently. Right. <laughs> but yeah, no, back to what you were saying after, kind of after that scene where Popclaw and A-Train are talking about the race and we get mm. the m- more info about V... Um, while the boys are watching so they that's their first hearing about V and kind yeah. of realising oh what is this is it some kind of steroid for soups yeah um, well that's what that's the conclusion they draw is that yeah. it is some sort of steroid drug in performance enhancer yeah that and that's, soups are using which is terrifying in and of itself mm. but sorry yeah that back to what you were saying then Huey and MM have a kind of a heart to heart where following that scene yeah, where when MM's asking him, kind race. of, you know, you killed translucent, like, you know, how did that go down, and how did it make you feel? And Huey's kind of saying, well, the part of me actually liked it, and you know, I want to get payback for Robin, and he basically says he's willing to do whatever it takes and pay whatever the price is to get his revenge, and MM's just kind of looking at him like, yeah, we'll see. Well, he was also talking about that, like, when he has the detonator, he was had power and was in control. Mm. And since Robin stepped off that curb, he hasn't had any sort of modicum yeah. of control or power over anything. Like, but and he is kind of just flailing around there, and that's the first time he's felt like he's doing something positive. Yeah, but it's it's funny because well, funny, but like MM, it's like Huey is saying all this. Like he thinks you know it's the first time I had a little bit of power, and I felt a little bit good about it. And MM's response is, well, I can see it written all over your face. Mm. And that's not what I see written on your face. Yeah, no. And he does empathise with them as well. And he's like, you oh, know, yeah. I have been there and this is that. But it's, it is dangerous. And he is trying to warn him. But I think he does genuinely that's, care that's it. what happens to this kid. Because he knows Butcher's not... At the end of the day, that's Butcher's what I, doesn't care. That's what I took from that scene. Is MM's trying to get a handle on 
this kid. situation. Yeah, he's like, this kid he has knows been dragged what Butcher into is this. Like. Yeah. yeah, and he thinks right, this is you know, this is a good kid. He's a smart kid. He's a sensitive kid. But I can already see he's been taken in by some of Butcher's bravado, yeah. and he's already starting to think that killing is the right way, yeah. and that will weigh on a kid like this. You know, and MM MM is the heart of the group. He is. You know, Huey might be the moral center, certainly in the comics, but no, MM's I'm, the heart. MM is totally right. He's like he's your canary. Yeah, well, that's a brilliant scene, but that's a that's almost an entire season away. So I mean, no, <laughs> hold off but for like that. it is. Yeah. Yeah, Huey's starting to think that he's, you know, oh, he's all hard and he's, he's, he's enjoying... The, he's all that, wow. Yeah, he's enjoying the clandestine side of, of, of things, but yeah, M.M. knows the true toll. Yeah. And he knows that Huey doesn't know that yet. It's just, it's a really nicely put together scene. Although we also, when they're talking about V and trying to like, oh, we need to get a sample of it. Oh, Frenchie, and- can you analyze it? And he's like, well, the only way for no, to know for sure what it does is to take it. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, because they, they basically are like, right, he's going to have it at the race. We can get into the race. We can infiltrate that. It's a public event. There's a lot of people. You know, they do plan this big heist. Yeah, and you're go- right. That that That's where that conversation is between him and Huey. It's, is, is just prep, before they the go into the, the race. Because they have Huey set up as a photographer so he can get into, the, he has a press junket. He can get in behind the scenes a bit more. Yeah. The rest of them are spread out. It's the focal point of the episode, in fairness. Because so much goes down in and around that race. There's so much. There's there's, uh, Maeve and Homelander. The culmination of their conversation and his whole argument about the talking points. Yeah, you've got that in there. You've got A-Train's worry about whether or not he'll do it and the fact that he's taking the V. You've got Annie and her in her new costume and the bit with the little girl where yeah. the guys are shouting at her like dickheads showing Seriously? shows your tits. Yeah. Um, there's, there's small children present. What's wrong with you? This isn't a bar. Uh, Huey meets Starlight. Yeah. In that it's scene. a realisation. Butcher staring at uh, oh, Homelander. There's so much that goes on in that like say 15 or 20 minutes yeah. of the episode. There's so much packed in there. Like It's, it's one of the few times when all the threads intersect. Yeah, and it is. It's done really well, but it's only now, like, we, we just sat down to watch the, re-watch the episode before we recorded this, and it's only now, kind of, as I'm looking back at yeah. my notes and we're talking about it, I've realised just how much they squeezed in there. There's that, but then in a later episode when they do go to Capes for Christ as well, there I think is, that's the next episode. There is a lot of intersection there as well, mm. where the two worlds, what they're doing is starting to collide. Yeah. This is where you, Butcher finds out that Huey knows Annie. Yeah. And he's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Also, you've got that great bit where Huey calls to her. She's about to walk into the locker room. <laughs> and she's just hanging like, on the rope like, uh-oh. <laughs> but he just goes completely... St- There's, what can he do? He doesn't even try and scurry back out. Uh, like, he's what, just yeah. hanging there looking <laughs> petrified. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It is. And I will... That's one of the things I definitely want to talk about um, in terms of show versus comics is Huey finding out that Annie is Starlight. Yeah. Because in the comics, it's... Butcher mm, tells him. No, Annie tells him that she's Starlight. Mm. Butcher lets him find out through surveillance tape what happened to her with um, yes. Homelander, uh, A-Train and, and Blackmore. Yeah. And he feels betrayed. But in this, Annie doesn't tell him straight off because the only time they've met is at that park bench. And why yeah. the fuck would you say you're a superhero then? But when he finds out she doesn't try and hide anything, she doesn't, 
know what I mean? It's it's known, and I know I'm going forward a bit, but when she doesn't try and hide what's happened to her with the deep, and Annie is is open and honest Mm. the whole way through, whereas in the comics, it's not that she hides it from Huey, but she's got a secret identity, so she's kind of not supposed to. But it's... I just I'm glad they didn't go with that because it would have been one of those. No, she is she she's a far better uh, character. Just, yeah, uh, but also to the like, they, you know, they, if that was an they, Arrowverse show, they would have gotten like two or three seasons worth of forced drama out of will they find out, won't they find out bullshit. If you know what I mean. You're talking about what's her name in Arrow? That character I hate because I loved her. No, I no, I'm not trying to Laurel. Uh, no, I'm not trying to sing any, but think about, think no, about yeah, any of those yeah, superhero yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah. And They're it is always about the love interest finding yeah. out the superhero. Now, in this case, it's flipped because it's the girl who's the superhero with the secret identity mm. and the guy is just the love interest. But, um, yeah, I'm glad they didn't take it down that route and had have that forced No, she's, drama. she's a very, very strong female role model and it's good to and see. And she's standing up for herself and she's not taking any shit and she's fighting back. Well, she, well, she's trying to. She's <laughs> trying to, but she's trying to remain true to who she is, even though who she is is being shaken and questioned daily. Mm. She's trying to just find her way through this and stay a good person. Yeah, but uh, she does seem to be having a bit of a two steps forward, or say, what's it forward, two steps back. Yeah. She, you know, she, she goes through what she went through at the deep, and in the second episode, she stands up to him, and things seem to be going good. And then the next time she tries to stand up for herself a bit, it's over the costume and still, well, shuts her down. Yeah. And shuts her down hard. But and she's you can also see learning it's still affecting which her. battles That's what worth Annie, fighting. yeah, that's, I think, what Not Annie worth fighting, but which ones, you know, which no, ones you're chance in. Yeah. I know, I think you're right, it is. It's it. That's very much Annie's journey in this season is finding learning out what's worth, yeah, what's worth fighting for. She thought yeah. it was all about the seven and that's what we're fighting for. And she's realising throughout this season no, there's more important stuff out there and there's more important yeah. and better ways to go about it. But yeah, no, I am. I'm really glad that they decided to have that as an open thing. Huey knows and he is mm. Starlight from the get-go. And it does, it creates a whole separate, non-forced drama and tension around the fact that she doesn't know what he's up to. No. I do love their banter as well. It's very, very natural. It is, yeah. We were talking about that as we were watching it, that that their banter feels natural and yeah. these feel like two people who would be drawn to each other because yeah, they've got and it that is. it does have that kick. slightly awkward like he's trying to ask her for her phone number and she's he's making the jokes then about maybe would committing a crime and she's like yeah that would yeah, get, you, probably work. get you or to you at the start of the conversation when he's like I didn't know you were and she's like a freak and he's yeah. like oh no I meant like like Beyonce and she's like I was only joking like yeah. or when he's talking she's talking about how hard things are in Vought and he's eating a really loud nacho and he looks all like, oh, how do I eat this quietly? Yeah. No, it is. It's very sweet because it does, it does feel like a natural meeting of two people who are interested in each other. Yeah. You know, it's got that slightly awkward, like, I really like you and I don't want to fuck this up. So yeah. I, now I'm finding and everything I do to be slightly embarrassing. The the Homelander and Queen Maeve stuff that goes down there at the race is interesting as well because we're finding out a bit more about their history together yeah we find in the previous scene where they were fighting the shooter we find out that they used to go out yeah they at least dated she, oh she has that, that that really really nice bit where oh he's after like, he oh, shoots her with the gun she's like oh the things I let you do to me and he goes yeah we're not even dating anymore and yeah. walks out and she doesn't say it's a thing 
her but the look, look on, on her face, face just changes of from the things I let you do to me to why on earth do I let you do these things to me and you you, you can see, you can the see in Maeve that things are yeah things are starting to wear it in oh she says fuck yeah. <laughs> she's you can, fed yeah, up you can see she's, she's fed up yeah. and then at the race Homelander shows up and steals her thunder again and they have a bit of a chat after their interview and Homelander gets a little bit terrifying again when he's telling her you know well, why, why didn't we why did we ever break up and Maeve's like let's not go there and then he turns to her and he says if I ever thought I'm paraphrasing but it's basically if I ever thought for a second that you were in love with somebody else I wouldn't be able to handle that yeah. and you can see Maeve just looks terrified he's basically just told her look your options are love me or love nobody yeah it's those little bits that we're starting to see of this really between how he deals with the deep in the previous episode he needs to control everything uh, yeah he's he, the focal point all the, everybody's attention he's a narcissist yeah if, well, if he can't it's exactly if he can't control people through love he'll control them through fear oh yeah he's a full on narcissistic dictator um, of so his yeah, own little world like there's so much there's, there is there's so much plot rammed in there and that's just that's just the plot points. We haven't even talked about the fact that the race is a pay per view event. Oh, never have so many people travelled so far for so little. Yeah, like that. It's one lap around a standard track. Yeah. Are you fucking shitting me? I know, and it's there's thousands of people in the stand. And, like, and, it's and a everybody in the stand basically gets fucking whiplash <laughs> from them passing from the fucking. Whatchamacallit, the surge, the fucking air wind uh, yeah. thing, shockwave, that's the word. Yeah, it's only, it's only the name of the Adrian's Shit. competitor. <laughs> but yeah, basically you can see them all, everybody's like buckled. Yeah. Why? At least make them race over like something a bit further or like take them out to the salt but, flats. No, but I think I think that is the point. That, it's like just whole, a whole media publicity. Yeah, well, it's a big media, and but why have them like race? Something of a sense. Exactly, but nobody, nobody's going to be able to see them anyway. So why have them do a mad long race when they can pack everybody in there for an event that's not going to be any between all the hype and the interviews and then the actual race. The event's not going to be any longer than an hour, and you know they've charged people premium prices than for that and to watch from oh, home. Oh yeah, you yeah, know, like so I do just, totally it understand adds, that, but I'm just you know. Oh no, I get you. Why would you pay for it? But the point that I'm gonna say is that it, it shows just Vought really don't care. No. Vought don't the only the only value for money that they care about is theirs. We can get how much for an event that's an hour long? And a race that's a split second long? Yeah, deadly, let's do that. And you know that they're they're selling the mer- like they own Shockwave as much as they own A-Train. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they're, all, they're, all the merch that's getting sold is, is all going into Vought's coffers. Like. Oh, yeah. So that's what it I like about the fact... win-win for them. Like that anything is. that's oh, yeah. like supposed to be like superheroes. Because there's no villains. There's no supervillains. No. It seems they to be... They own every single superhero. Yeah, and it seems to be that, that the villains they own are all used the to stop... They own all that. They're the American Cheerleading Association, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like they own all the gear they own all the merch they like they're Disney yeah it's all uh, intellectual property and they can license the shit out of it yeah I think we've we've probably rung that scene for all it's worth oh except the brilliant moment with Butcher staring down oh. Homelander when everybody's watching the race and sitting down and when Butcher's they all sit down and he's facing him and he's just looking just at him sipping at his big gulp yeah eating and a hot dog that that scene is ended with a brilliant line from uh Mother's milk 
when he's like, guys, you want to get back to Pop Claw's apartment pretty quick? She's eyeing a vial of V like it's made of Snickers. <laughs> Which leads us into our, our big shock moment of this episode. So V, basically at this point, it's a blue liquid that you seem to inject. Yeah, when she, uh, when Popway. It, it does seem to be a performance enhancer because she is bench pressing, I don't like, a stupid amount of weight. And it's brilliant because from her perspective, there's like metal and she's like. Well, there is metal playing in her apartment. And she's going. And she's like, she's like pumped and she's giving it loads. And whenever it cuts to the guys watching on the laptop, you can't hear the metal music. You can just hear her exertions of. And then it cuts back to her and you can hear the metal music blaring. And And she's got the pot when she has the claws out and she's going around like air fighting. And it's like, yeah, we've all we've all done that at some point. Um, um, we've all gotten loaded, and yeah, and and as funny as that is, that's that's not what this scene is about. No. <laughs> this scene is about a filthy, filthy pig who likes to eat ass, getting his head exploded. Oh, her poor landlord! <laughs> it, it death by snooze. And the way he he plays that scene, as you said earlier, it's so he's just he's so nervous when he comes in because he's like, this is a superhero, and but he's she's also, also hot, and and I think and she's he's coming on to me. Not to perv at the the like boudoir photos of her. Yeah, she's like, do you like it? And he's like, no, yes, yes. <laughs> but just his face when he's playing that well, with, with the role playing. playing and he's the burglar and he's like oh no I've been caught by Popcorn and the grin <laughs> but the grin is fucking everything like, oh no like I said oh. when we were watching it I, I hope that guy gets have, a whole load of work based off his performance in that scene alone have you ever seen Anna Nicole Smith what was the old peanut she married that old no idea I know you're talking about no yeah, have you ever seen their wedding photo oh, where she's she sat on, on his knee and his little no he's sitting on her lap oh he is and her his little face is lit up yeah it's very that's, similar that's a very it's a very similar grin of I don't give a shit but while while it's going down while the the, the <laughs> face sitting is going down and the guys are all watching it Butcher and Frenchie just keep like giving each other no glances like oh, look at her look at her go like and Huey doesn't know where to look yeah poor innocent Huey but we get then when when the head pops and we get um the pay she off. came and he went yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> no, recycling we get the payoff to Huey and M.M.'s conversation earlier. Like Huey does, like fair fuck to him, Huey is like shit, he's suffocating and he goes to He wants to and, try and help, And yeah. Butcher stops him and he's like, no, 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 let's see where this goes. Yeah. Like and this weird, like fucking, like sick perverted way of, yeah, we're watching this guy getting, literally getting suffocated. Oh yeah, because, well that's, but that's it, Butcher knows one way or the other we can use this. Mm. We She's she's cheated on A-Train, we can use that. Or if she hurts this guy, we can definitely use that. Yeah. And obviously he tries to rationalise it from, for Huey's point of view. Oh yeah, because you like, run up you'd there. You'd never made it up there in time to stop it. And even her. if you did. She's hopped up on whatever this shit she is. She murdered you. Yeah. <laughs> when they go outside, they, Frenchie and uh, Butcher go out to deal with it. And M.M. and Huey are left in the van. Mm. And M.M. just says to Huey, like, what, what was that you said earlier? Whatever the price, you'll pay it. And yeah, Huey's just realised, okay, yeah, maybe I was a little bit too gung-ho earlier. Mm. You know, Huey's still, he doesn't want, like that was an innocent guy. You know, he didn't want to see that happen. No. And that's not a price he considered. Whereas yeah. MM knows. Sometimes it's not just us who's at risk. Yeah, it's everybody know? else. So I think the only, only other bit left that we haven't talked about is the final scene. 
when Homelander shows up with Translucent's body to show Stillwell. Oh yeah, because he's in a zinc case yeah. that they threw into the bottom of like the river. Yeah. And the only thing I he can't think, see through is zinc. Oh, he's doing the Q&A with, with yeah. the deep. He's like, hey, so, you know, it was in a case and what's the one thing that I can't see through deep? And deep's like, zinc. Or sorry, no, what, what was the case made out of deep? Zinc, Homelander. And what's the one thing I can't see through? And there's silence. And you can just see Homelander's like, and just as he's about to say, you know, call the deep, the deep's like, oh, uh, zinc, zinc, Homelander. And he's like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> I just love the way it's yeah. delivered. Yeah, so obviously, apart from the, the humor in the scene, we see that they know now. The seven know somebody's he's back. after them. Translucent. Well, no, they don't. That's more of a comics thing. Yeah. I don't think in, in the show, I we don't know much about what happened the first go around. No, they really keep that. Very, very They quiet. keep it tight early on. But even for having watched both full seasons, I still don't know how much went down in the past and how much Vought were aware of. Mm. In the comics, they know when, when, in the comics, when the boys get put back together and Huey joins um, and the seven find out that somebody's after them, they immediately know, oh, it's the guy, it's the boys from before. Yeah. In the show, I don't think they do. They just know somebody is after them. Somebody has killed Translucent. And inside the lid of the suitcase, it says, coming for you. So they know somebody's after them. But I, I don't think they have any idea who until much later in the season. But that's it. So that was episode three. Yeah. Really, again, really enjoyed it. Um, I like how we are getting... I know I think we've said this every episode, but we're getting... Not getting overloaded with the characters, we're getting good character development. Mm. And when they do introduce new characters, okay, Frenchie takes a bit of a back foot in this episode, but we find out a little bit more about him in as much as MM really doesn't like him because of something he did in the past. And his little stories. Huh? His little stories. Yeah. <laughs> and his A train on speed. <laughs> yes, that we discovered from the last episode you when I couldn't figure out what the hell A train speed goggles meant in my notes. What I was actually trying to talk about was. He drops he two separate things. He drops a hit of speed that is A train labeled. Yeah, <laughs> so that's what A train speed tab. meant. Yeah. And then the goggles were yeah. obviously just Frenchie's goggles from the comics. But yeah, that one took me a while to realize what the fuck I was actually trying to talk about. Yeah, no, I do. I, the, the third episode, really good. We get our MM introduction. Really happy with how MM is characterized mm. compared to the comics. Um, we don't think we really get any other new characters obviously we get a good bit well, more you get characterization the two guys for marketing who are oh just there are gems. new characters yeah seth and evan who are named, named for yeah. seth rogan and evan goldberg but yeah we get we get a bit more for a train we get a bit more from stillwell yeah mave gets a, a bit more mave really we didn't no, see much of in the really last seen, episode yeah so bit by bit as the episodes go on we're getting little bits of each character not always in the one episode but yeah, everybody that we've seen so far is starting to get fleshed out. and, and We're starting to get little tantalising glimpses of the history. Yeah, we're getting mentions to Becca, mentioned to Mallory, something that happened to Mallory's grandkids. Presumably dead. But no, it is. It's progressing nicely. Yeah. It's not. And there hasn't been any sort of giant exposition dump because that's always really fucking annoying. There was a bit in... They do sometimes... Um, but they're generally framed well. Yeah. I like how they like they're not one character telling another character something they already fucking know. Like. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, I think that's everything I have to say for this episode. Yeah, pretty much. 
Yeah, I think that's about it. All right. So, uh, as ever, thanks for joining us, guys. We are Monorants. Uh, you can find all our episodes pretty much wherever all podcasts are hosted. And uh, if you want, you can send any feedback, questions to monorantpodcast at gmail.com and find us on Twitter at rantsmono. Don't forget to go back and listen to our previous episodes if you haven't already. And we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.